Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst Glenn Kirchner. This time on our long-form weekend podcast, Glenn talks about all the recent developments in Donald Trump's Georgia RICO case. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Welcome to our weekend edition of Justice Matters. On the weekend, we try to take on, explain, dissect, air out the legal issues of the week and talk about where we are headed in the coming week on this crazy legal landscape of ours. And today's discussion is going to be all about Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Because there are so many developments, important developments, consequential developments in Donald Trump's Georgia State RICO prosecution. And friends, the train is barreling down the tracks to our first RICO trial which will begin on October 23rd, just a little over a month away. And I don't want to bury the lead. Even though the trial will involve only two co-defendants sitting in the courtroom being prosecuted for their crimes, crimes they committed as part of Donald Trump's criminal enterprise to overturn the results of the Georgia state election, even though there will only be two defendants Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell, we are going to see in spectacular detail the crimes of Donald Trump. And those crimes in trial one will go largely unanswered, unaddressed, unrebutted, unchallenged, because Donald Trump will not be on trial. He's not in the first batch of defendants going to trial. So this first trial will not involve Donald Trump being in court. So it's not going to involve his case in a court of law, but it will absolutely involve Donald Trump in the court of public opinion. And Trump is about to be crushed in the court of public opinion beginning on October 23rd. And we're going to talk about why that is in just a few minutes, but let's do a quick procedural recap about what's happened over the course of the last seven days down in that Georgia courtroom and what it tells us about the nature and direction of the Georgia RICO case writ large. And I wanna start with the presiding judge, 34 year old, Judge Scott McAfee. I think it's McAfee and not McAfee. I hope I'm not mangling his name. I think it's Judge McAfee. 
And the reason I'm starting with 34 years old is that's a really young judge. You know, when I was 34, I was a prosecutor and I had been for several years. I started prosecuting as an army JAG back in the 80s. But I'm going to tell you, friends, at 34, I am not going to claim that I was an experienced, seasoned, wise prosecutor. I was still learning, frankly, even on the day I retired from the Department of Justice after more than 30 years as a prosecutor, I was still learning. Now I'm in my 60s and goodness knows I am still learning. You know, the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know, kind of borrowing and paraphrasing that old saying. But 34 is a very tender age to be a judge. And not just any judge, but a judge presiding over probably the single most consequential RICO prosecution ever brought in our nation's history, at least thus far. And it's a state court RICO prosecution, not a federal RICO prosecution. 34 years old. Now, needless to say, I am keenly interested in seeing how Judge McAfee takes on these weighty responsibilities, presiding over this RICO case. And we've gotten to see a couple of glimpses now because, thank goodness, we have cameras in the courtroom and we are seeing in living color for ourselves how the court proceedings are unfolding. We're seeing the performance of the prosecutors, of the defense attorneys, and perhaps most importantly, the performance of a 34-year-old judge. And I have to tell you, friends, having appeared myself before well over 100 judges, judges both military and civilian, both federal and local, both trial court judges and appellate court judges, so far, watching Judge McAfee preside and reading the relatively few rulings he's been required to make thus far, including a seven-page ruling that was just issued in recent days that I'll touch on a little bit later in our chat today. This judge, this 34-year-old judge, has been impressive. Now, let me hasten to add that in recent days, when I have been reviewing Judge McAfee's performance, what I've seen of him, and reading his written opinions, you know, when I go on air and when I talk in my Daily Justice Matters videos about his impressive performance, I get some feedback, even some pushback. And I'll tell you, friends, I love feedback. I appreciate feedback. I enjoy feedback from you all, from the people who post comments or send me messages. And I particularly appreciate the constructive criticism that many of you all provide. It is really valuable to me. So if you don't mind, I'm going to digress for, for just a few minutes. When I was chief of homicide at the DC U.S. Attorney's Office, that is the field office of the Department of Justice that prosecutes all of the cases in DC, all of the federal cases and all of the local cases. When I was chief of homicide, 
I not only supervised 30 federal homicide prosecutors, and I was responsible for overseeing all grand jury investigations in homicide cases and all murder prosecutions in the courts of Washington, D.C., but I also carried a full trial caseload because I always believed that it was important that the line prosecutors saw that the chief of the homicide section was in court battling it out, walking the walk. So I carried a full caseload of trial cases. Now selfishly, I also did it because I love trying cases. And every time I went to trial, I always had one of my junior homicide prosecutors with me at counsel table, co-counsel. We would try the case together. We would split the work down the middle 50-50. And I always wanted to believe that it was a good training experience for young homicide prosecutors. I would often try the first murder case that a prosecutor who was new to the homicide section would handle. And the one thing that I always begged my fellow prosecutors to do, particularly my colleagues who had been at it longer than I had, you know, people who had tried lots and lots and lots of cases, I would say, you know, can I invite you to come to court, watch my opening statement or my closing argument or my rebuttal argument or my cross-examination of, of an important defense witness, maybe the defendant. I loved crossing, examining defense witnesses and defendants. You know, it was a, a fun challenge and it was always sort of a, a game of tactical cat and mouse. I would ask the more experienced prosecutors, please come, take notes about what you see me doing that I could do better, and then sit down with me afterwards and give me all of the constructive criticism you can come up with, because that's how we learn. And so, yeah, I love when people send me comments. Of course, I enjoy the positive comments. Who doesn't like, you know, good positive feedback? But I really appreciate the constructive criticism. You know, write down the people who have told me recently, I mean, literally in the last few days, when I tried to tweak my lighting and my production values, okay, I didn't try to tweak them. Some people came in who knew what they were doing and helped me sort of tweak some of what I was doing. I love to hear people say, you know what? This tweak didn't work so much because here are my observations about the lighting or the sound or the camera placement or what have you. And, and let me tell you, friends, it takes a village to help me do anything even a little bit better when it comes to the production values of my, my videos or my audio podcast. So yes, the bottom line is all feedback and constructive criticism is welcome and appreciated. But now I'm gonna get my mental train back on track to the point I was beginning to make. So after I reviewed Judge McAfee's performance and said uniformly good things about what I was seeing, how impressed I was, people immediately started posting comments and sending me messages saying, Glenn, Glenn, look at this. He is a member of the Federalist Society, or he was a member of the Federalist Society when he was in college. 
Now, I believe that at age 34, he was in college not so long ago. And the Federalist Society, of course, is the hard right, ultra conservative organization that has a certain view of the Constitution. And it's a view that, you know, I'm not going to go in and dissect it now, but it's a view that seems to have produced jurists who hold opinions like, you know, Judge Alito and Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas and Gorsuch. So uh, let me just say I have significant disagreements with the way some of those people go about interpreting the Constitution, applying the Constitution. I would even say at times deconstructing the Constitution and the rights that we are all supposed to enjoy under the Constitution, some of which have been revoked recently. Oh, there goes my blood pressure. You know, like a woman's constitutional privacy interest to control her own reproductive health decisions. Yes, so I have a significant disagreement with how some of those folks interpret the Constitution. So I think it's notable, clearly notable, that Judge McAfee is perhaps a product of that school of thought that is embodied you know, in the Federalist Society. But one's association with a particular organization, in my opinion and experience, does not define that person. You know, and that goes for pretty much all organizations with some exceptions. You know, if you're a member of a white supremacist group, yes, that defines you. But if you're a member of an organization that has particular views on how the Constitution should be interpreted, it's a data point, you know, about how you may view the Constitution and its protections of all people or lack of protections for all people. But I'm not prepared to say it absolutely defines you or disqualifies you in any way. You know, I want to watch what you do in your professional life, not just what organizations you may have belonged to. So I will continue to judge, Judge McAfee, if I can use the word judge twice in a row, I will continue to judge Scott McAfee by his actions in court during the televised and live streamed court proceedings, and I will judge him by his written rulings and his written orders, and I am hopeful that he continues to perform the way he has been performing, which I am going to say again to this old prosecutor has been impressive. And yes, we are very early on in the game, but the indicators thus far are pretty dang positive. On the way, a judge in Georgia has made some rulings about the trial dates in Trump's state election interference case. Glenn discusses this next on Justice Matters. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Fulton County Judge Scott McAfee wrote an order explaining how he'll split the trial dates for the 19 Georgia RICO defendants. Glenn says, so far, the judge has made some clever rulings. So, let's move on briefly to that seven-page order that Judge McAfee just issued. So the first significant issue Judge McAfee had to tackle was what kind of trial date or trial dates would he set for the 19 RICO defendants who were indicted together down in Georgia by District Attorney Willis. It's a huge case and it's a challenging undertaking for any criminal justice system to try 19 defendants, certainly to try 19 defendants at one time, you know, in one trial, in one courtroom. And I'm going to talk, friends, in a few minutes about my experience having to try a group, a big group of RICO defendants. We ended up having to try 13 defendants. All of the others had pleaded guilty. And I'm going to talk about how we approached that challenge and how it actually worked out really well for the cause of justice and how that experience helps inform what I'm seeing down in Georgia and why I think things down there will also work out well for the cause of justice. So Judge McAfee had to figure out what kind of trial date or trial dates to set for these 19 RICO defendants. And the first thing that guided his decision was how many of these defendants were demanding a speedy trial? That was one of the most important factors because any defendant who demands a speedy trial in Georgia, in this case, has to go to trial beginning in late October. Now, I'll spare you the details about the speedy trial law and the speedy trial rules down in Georgia, but only two defendants, at least thus far, have demanded a speedy trial. And that's Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell. And Judge McAfee appropriately said, okay, fine, you two, Cheesebro and Powell, will go to trial together beginning in late October because you have invoked your speedy trial rights. Now, interestingly, Cheesebro and Powell then filed motions to sever their trials from one another. <laughs> they each want to go to trial by themselves. You know, I don't want to be sitting next to Cheesebro, said Powell, and I don't want to be sitting next to Powell, said Cheesebro. And the judge had to rule on that severance motion, and he denied their motions for separate trials. He said, oh, no, you two will be sitting 
next to one another in a joint trial. So your motions to sever are denied. And so I've said this before and I'll say it again. This first trial will be something of a cheese and kraken affair. And I don't know how many times I should make that same joke. A couple more times. <laughs> so the next issue became, okay, well, what about the 17 other defendants, right? Cheeseboro and Powell wanted a speedy trial and they're getting one. But what about the 17 other RICO defendants? You know, the people like Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, John Eastman, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Ellis, and the others. What about their trials? Well, none of them have demanded a speedy trial, but they haven't all waived their right to a speedy trial yet either. So we're kind of in this middle ground. We're in this wait and see territory. Who's gonna request a speedy trial and what will the implications be if they do? Well, friends, here's where I'm gonna remind you that it really is worth reading the very short seven-page double-spaced ruling that Judge McAfee just issued. It really is pretty easy reading and it's well-written, it's well-supported by the case law, and it is entirely common sense driven because the judge not only answers the questions presented to him, but he predicts what other issues might arise and he cuts them off at the pass, which is a beautiful thing and an efficient thing. You know, it really is an adroitly written motion. I think adroitly is the right word. Okay, I'm not a great wordsmith. I don't always get the words right but I do think this is an adroitly written motion. And here's what I wanna direct you to. It's footnote number three, because it answers the question of, well, what happens if other defendants of these 17 defendants now all of a sudden make a speedy trial demand? Well, Judge McAfee has a plan for that. And here's what he says in footnote three, quote, should any defendant who has not yet filed a waiver invoke the statutory speedy trial deadline before the trial of defendants Cheesebro and Powell has commenced, those defendants will immediately join the October 23rd trial. You see what Judge McAfee did there? He said, listen, you other 17 defendants, Many of you have said you're gonna file a waiver of your speedy trial rights, but not all of you have filed a waiver yet. So let me just tell you the consequences. In the event you request a speedy trial, you will immediately be added to the trial of Cheesebro and Powell that will begin on October 23rd. How do you like them apples? Okay, Judge McAfee didn't say that last part, that was my editorial addition, but he cut the issue off at the pass. He said, you absolutely have a right to a speedy trial, and if you assert that right, you will immediately go to trial with Cheesebro and Powell beginning on October 23rd. 
So you know what happened next, friends? All of a sudden, people started filing waivers of their speedy trial rights because they don't want to go to trial with those other two defendants in October. They want more time to prepare. And Donald Trump is one of those defendants who signaled, there's no way I'm going to trial in October. In fact, Donald Trump is scared to death of going to trial you know, in October or at any other time because he will be convicted in a New York minute, maybe in a Georgia minute in the RICO case. So Donald Trump and others have waived their speedy trial rights. So now we have to tackle the consequences, the implications of the first trial in Georgia, the RICO case, being tried against just two defendants, Powell and Cheesebro, beginning in October. What does that mean? What does it mean for Donald Trump and the other 16 defendants who will be tried in the future? Is it a good thing for Trump? Is it a bad thing for Trump that these other two defendants will be the first one to go to trial and his trial will be sometime in the future? What are the pros? What are the cons? Well, friends, I want to talk about one pro and I want to talk about one con regarding Donald Trump not being in the first trial. I'm going to talk about one reason it will be helpful to Donald Trump to not be in that first trial with Cheesebro and Powell. And then I'm going to talk about one con, one reason it's going to be really bad for Donald Trump. Because there is one way that this will hurt Donald Trump. And it will hurt Donald Trump, not really in a court of law, but it will hurt him in the court of public opinion in a way that may not be intuitive unless you're familiar with what happens when one big RICO criminal enterprise gets split up into a series of separate trials. So it may not be intuitive. We're going to talk about it, but it will be devastating. It will be devastating in the court of public opinion. And let's talk about why that is. After the break, Glenn talks about the pros and cons of not being the first to go to trial. This is Justice Matters. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
RICO co-conspirators Kenneth Chesbro and Sidney Powell will be tried in Fulton County, Georgia on October 23rd. Glenn explains this is both good and bad for Donald Trump. Let's start with the upside. What is the one good thing that, you know, will inure to Donald Trump's benefit by him not being part of the first trial? Well, here's how it will work to his benefit, at least in part. During the first trial against Powell and Cheesebro, District Attorney Willis and her team of prosecutors will prove their entire case. What do I mean by that? Well, they're not just going to introduce the evidence that incriminates Cheesebro and Powell. They're not just going to prove up Powell's crimes and Cheesebro's crimes. They're going to introduce evidence of all of the crimes committed by all of the co-conspirators, including the crimes of Rudy Giuliani and John Eastman and Jeffrey Clark and Mark Meadows and Donald Trump and Jenna Ellis and all the other defendants. Why are they going to do that? Well, because it's a RICO conspiracy case. And once you're a member of a conspiracy, you are responsible for all of the crimes of all of your co-conspirators. You're responsible, criminally responsible, not only for the crimes that you personally committed, but the crimes that your co-conspirators committed, even if you did not personally participate in those crimes. And friends, even if you didn't know about all of the crimes your co-conspirators were committing. That is the beauty of conspiracy law. I use the term beauty advisedly. Here's why. We as a society have enacted laws. Now we do that, you know, through the people that we elect to office for better or worse. They're the ones who actually vote on and pass laws. But in theory, we as a society enact laws. We decide what we want to criminalize, what is going to be unlawful. And we as a society have decided that when people band together as part of a criminal conspiracy, a criminal enterprise, and they agree to commit crimes together, there is a heightened danger to the public. Because one person doing a crime by himself or herself is dangerous, but a whole bunch of people getting together and agreeing to commit crimes in concert as part of a, a criminal team, a criminal crew, a criminal organization or enterprise, the danger to the community is multiplied, right? The whole group of criminals is more dangerous and can do more damage than just one criminal acting alone. So that's why the law of conspiracy says, if you decide to join a criminal conspiracy, if you agree to commit crimes together with others, if you're part of a criminal enterprise, then you are assuming the risk that you will be responsible. You will be found guilty of every crime committed by every member of the conspiracy. And friends, that's a good thing. That's why I say it's a beautiful thing because the law is designed to deter people from creating criminal organizations, 
from conspiring to commit crimes together. So District Attorney Willis's team will prove every crime by every co-defendant even though there will only be two co-defendants on trial in October, Powell and Cheesebro. So hold on friends, because it gets better and better. Here's what will happen. Donald Trump's lawyers and the lawyers for the 16 other co-conspirators who are not gonna be part of that first trial, they will be sitting in the courtroom every day watching the case. How do I know this? Well, because I lived this. When I tried RICO conspiracy cases and we had to break up the cases into three separate trials, guess what? The attorneys who represented the defendants who would be tried in the next case were sitting in the courtroom watching the earlier trials because, you know, they wanted a preview of the government's evidence, of the prosecution's evidence. They wanted to see the strengths. They wanted to see the weaknesses. They wanted to be as thoroughly prepared as they could be when they had to represent their clients who would go to trial in the next trial or in future trials. That makes perfect sense, right? That's just like scouting a rival sports team. You want to see the plays they're running and you want to prepare to, you know, meet the evidence and do as well as you can when you have to go to trial, when you have to play that team in the future. So that's how it works when these cases are, you know, broken up into several trials. And that's a benefit to Donald Trump. And it's a benefit to the 16 other co-defendants who will go to trial in the future. But here's why it's not a significant benefit. It's because the evidence of guilt is strong. The evidence is compelling. And there's nothing that Trump's attorneys or the other attorneys will be able to do to defeat it in the future when they go to trial, even if they get a, a preview of it. And I say this, friends, because I also lived these circumstances. When we went to trial in subsequent RICO cases against the second or third batch of defendants and the attorneys had been able to sit in and watch the earlier trial, guess what? The RICO defendants were still convicted because the evidence was strong. And the evidence in the Georgia case is strong. You know, when the evidence is strong, is compelling, even if there is some slight benefit to Trump and the others because they get to sit in and watch the first trial, they're still going to be convicted when they go to trial. But here is the most important consequence. I talked about the, the pro, I talked about the benefit to Trump of not being in that first trial. Here is the far more important consequence of not being in that first trial. And this is the one that I don't think is intuitive. And this is a con. This is going to be devastating to Trump. Stay with me here, friends. This is what I learned through my experience trying RICO cases and other conspiracy cases that I tried over the years. At the first trial, there will only be two defendants, Powell and Cheesebro. So there will only be two defense attorneys representing 
Powell and Cheesebro. Maybe there will be more than two. Maybe each one of them will have a team of defense attorneys. But there will only be two groups of attorneys representing those two defendants, Powell and Cheesebro. Other defense attorneys might be sitting in the audience. Trump's lawyers will probably be sitting in the audience along with the general public. But here's the thing. They don't get to participate in the trial. They can only observe. So you're going to have a RICO conspiracy case where the prosecutors are proving the crimes of not only Cheesebro and Powell, but of all 19 co-conspirators. But the attorneys representing Cheesebro and Powell will attack the evidence that the prosecutors are introducing that directly incriminates their clients, Cheesebro and Powell, but they're not going to be attacking the evidence that Donald Trump committed crimes or Rudy Giuliani committed crimes or Mark Meadows, John Eastman, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Ellis, or the others committing crimes. They're not gonna be interested in knocking down that evidence the way they're gonna be interested in knocking down and fighting against the evidence that Cheesebro and Powell committed crimes. That's what they're going to be most interested in directly attacking and trying to knock down. In fact, we got to take this to the next step. They might even be interested in, they being Powell and Cheese Bros lawyers, might actually be interested in highlighting and propping up and emphasizing and supporting the evidence that Donald Trump committed crimes. Why? Well, because they're going to want to argue, wait, wait, wait. Donald Trump is the head of this criminal enterprise. He's the Don. He's the mob boss. He's the big cheese. He is the one who was directing and driving all of this criminal activity so he could retain the power of the presidency unlawfully and unconstitutionally. He is the bad guys, ladies and gentlemen. Not our piddly little clients, Cheesebro and Powell. It's Donald Trump and the others. So what does that mean? Well, it means the evidence of Donald Trump's guilt will go unattacked, unchallenged, unrebutted, and it may actually be emphasized as the really bad, dangerous, and damaging crimes, right? Because Trump's lawyers will not be able to knock it down during that first trial because they won't be participating in the first trial. So that's why I say it doesn't really matter much in a court of law that Cheesebro and Powell will only be knocking down the evidence of, of their crimes, but it does matter in the court of public opinion. It will make such a difference when people are turning on their TV every day or live streaming the trial, the October trial, right? Day after day, week after week, and even month after month because the trial is expected to last four months. We're going to see and hear for ourselves the evidence of Donald Trump's crimes day after day after day and there will be no one defending Donald Trump. 
There will be no one in the courtroom representing Donald Trump's interests trying to knock down the evidence of Donald Trump's crimes. And, you know, Donald Trump always loves to fight his battles in the court of public opinion, but he's scared to death to fight those battles in the court of law. Why? Because the evidence of his guilt is so overwhelming. And none of the nonsense Donald Trump spews into the public square, none of the nonsense that he poisons the court of public opinion with his lies, none of it is relevant or admissible in a court of law. So that's why once Donald Trump is in trial himself, once his trials begin, he will be crushed on the evidence and he'll be convicted so fast it will make his head spin. And here's a beautiful example of that. We need only look at Peter Navarro's recent criminal conviction. He was just convicted and we can look at that result and there is a really important lesson to be learned, a really important takeaway. Peter Navarro was out there every day running his great big loud mouth about the Green Bay sweep. Remember, that's what he called the fake elector scheme. The Green Bay sweep, that's how we're gonna keep Trump in office. We're gonna use these alternate electors. I call it the Green Bay sweep. And Peter Navarro day after day said, everything I did was on the up and up, lawful. I did nothing illegal. It was the Green Bay sweep, a cute name like that. How could it be against the law? All right, I'm taking some editorial liberties there. And Peter Navarro tried to poison the well of public opinion and future jury pools by yammering day after day about how everything he did was lawful, right? The Green Bay sweep. And what happened? Peter Navarro was finally forced by the judge to go to trial and the jury convicted him without even having time for a cup of coffee during deliberations. I'm not kidding. I don't even know that they left the jury box. That's a joke. They left the jury box, went back, said, everybody in agreement? Guilty? Yeah, let's go back out and announce our guilty verdict of Peter Navarro and his Green Bay sweep. Let's take an important lesson away from that result because Donald Trump will suffer the same fate as Peter Navarro as soon as Donald Trump's trial is conducted. So friends, take heart because this first trial against Powell and Cheeseboro will actually be devastating to Donald Trump because I've seen it play out firsthand in similar RICO cases that get split up into multiple trials. It's coming. Accountability is coming. Maybe even a little bit of justice is coming. Because justice matters. After the break, Glenn will be making some public appearances. He gives the details next on Justice Matters. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You can be a part of Team Justice and make a difference. Here's Glenn with ways to support Justice Matters and meet him at upcoming events like CrimeCon. Okay, friends, I think we'll we'll stop there. Let's call it a day. Let's call it a podcast. But boy, the developments in Georgia and elsewhere are going to continue to come at us 100 miles an hour, day in and day out. And I'm going to try to be taking it all on in real time as best I can, certainly in my daily videos on my YouTube channel, Justice Matters with Glenn Kirshner. Also, obviously, in my audio podcasts that do post during the course of the week. It culminates in our sort of long-form chat on the weekends. You can also find me elsewhere on the social media platforms. And let me also just give you all a heads up that I'm going to be in Orlando, Florida on the weekend of September 22nd, 23rd, presenting at CrimeCon, the convention. This is the first time I've been invited to present there, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited about the presentation, which really involves two things. One, my documentary that's up on uh, Peacock right now, Who Killed Robert Wan, the really most um, confounding case I handled in my 30 years as a prosecutor. And I'll also be presenting on the new federal law, the Homicide Victims' Families' Rights Act that I worked on for years together with Representative Eric Swalwell and his legislative team. It gives homicide families, families who lost a loved one to violent crime and whose loved one's investigation has grown cold. It gives them a legal statutory right, federal legal statutory right, to have a review of their loved one's murder investigation conducted and depending on the nature or the result of the review of full reinvestigation. It's on the books federally. President Biden signed it into law last year. I couldn't be more thrilled or excited that homicide families have some help on the way. And we are now in the process of pushing this federal legislation out into the states. I'm thrilled to report that Georgia just adopted a version of it and made it a law in that state. It's being considered in other states. And I will be you know, looking for all help, all assistance to try to get this much needed relief to families nationwide in all 50 states because no family should have to sit by a phone and wait for a call from a homicide detective that never comes saying we have a break in your son's case, your daughter's case, your parent's case, your loved one's case, your partner's case, we have a break. Those calls almost never come, but hopefully some statutory help is on the way. I'll also be presenting on the Homicide Victims' Families' Rights Act at CrimeCon on the weekend of September 22nd, 23rd, 
and would love to, to see you there, meet you there, and spend some time talking about these really important issues. And as always, friends, you've probably heard me say in the past that here at Justice Matters, we are an all-volunteer outfit. We are up and running seven days a week, posting a legal analysis video every day. If you are interested in supporting or becoming more involved in our all-volunteer efforts, please feel free to come on over to patreon.com. You can sign up to become a patron, and if you do, I'll send you some Team Justice and Justice Matters stickers and a personal handwritten note of thanks. And as always, my eternal thanks to the folks who have come over to patreon.com and are supporting our efforts here. We couldn't keep this going without you. And as always, friends, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon.